0: morning. Will you please stand and join us in our call to worship, which is from Psalm 34.
1: shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast, in the Lord let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed.
2: The Lord is near to the broken heart.
1: Good, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers his children out of them all. Almighty God, we, uh, we know that you came to us through your Son in gentleness and in humility. You're the one who ate and drank with sinners, not as one posturing power or position. You're the one who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made yourself nothing. And so, Father, lead us into meekness and humility. Give us self-awareness and understanding that we, we may see ourselves rightly as people in need of your grace and your mercy. And Father, because of your kindness, work in us to, to love our neighbors as our, as ourselves, that they would experience your humility and love. And Father, we continue uh, to, to lament the violence that has seized upon our world, especially in places like Israel and Palestine and the Ukraine. Our hearts break for families and children who've been victims of war and terror, and we pray that you would Surround families that have lost loved ones, surround them with your presence, comfort them in their time of grief, in time of anger, of numbness, or fear. We're also mindful of uh, even more shootings that have gripped our own country. We echo the words of the psalmist, the, the how long, O Lord. Lord, may you bring peace where there has been senseless violence and death. By your spirit, be with us this morning, meet us in and out of faith. Meet those of us who feel close to you and those who feel distant. Meet us with your grace and change us by it, we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, children are now dismissed for children's worship. Well, we turn now to our time of confession, uh, where we acknowledge with God our sin and our need of him. We'll do this together as a church and then have a time of quiet, personal confession. This is what God told his people. I'm the Lord, your God, who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You shall not commit adultery. Lord, thank you. (coughs) Nothing is hidden from you. You call us to faithfulness and to present our bodies as living sacrifices to you. take a moment of personal quiet confession. Father, we uh, come to you in sin and weakness. Confess it's hard to be honest about our neediness. Like Adam and Eve, we, uh, we wanna cover up our guilt and shame with our religious activity with hiding and deflection. But God, we know that you see us and in your kindness through your son. You lead us out of death and into life. I give thanks in Jesus' name, amen. We'll stand together for the words of assurance that come to us from Colossians chapter one. Let's join together. The Lord has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. As we've been welcomed into God's family, let us also welcome one another.
0: The New Testament lesson this morning comes from 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 14, through chapter 4, verse 5. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to myths. The gospel lesson is Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant that we may sit in your glory, one on your right and one on your left. And Jesus said to them, I'm sorry, I started on the wrong verse. <laughs> I'm going to say, this is James and John speaking to, speaking to Jesus. And they said to him, grant that we may sit in your glory, one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you shall drink, and you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right or on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant toward James and John. And calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord.
3: Thanks, Laura, for reading uh, from the scripture. Um, you'll see, maybe the first thing you might notice when you look at your order of worship is, wow, there's a long past, there's a lot of words there that uh, we're gonna look at. So. Uh, we're going to look at a a kind of a long account of Jacob and Esau uh, when they meet each other after 20 years apart Um, but before I read that just a couple moments of context Uh, this fall we have been looking at a sermon series titled uh, known and loved Uh, that you are known and that you are loved that these are fundamental promises of the gospel of Christ promises that God makes to us And as part of reflecting on these promises and how they speak into our lives, we've been looking at passages in Genesis to kind of look at the human story and how does God's story speak into that. We looked at Adam and Eve and saw that humans are made to be seen. Humans are made to be known. They had this experience of being naked and unashamed before each other. That, That all of us are made to live in connection with God, with ourselves, with our neighbors, with creation. But we also saw that that's not how the story uh, continued. In our guilt and shame, humans, we have exchanged the hope of being known, the hope of being loved and received and forgiven. We've exchanged that for hiding, for learning how to manage an appearance to kind of be what people expect us to be. And so this theme of hope versus hiding is one very much part of the story of Jacob and Esau, these two brothers. A few weeks ago, we looked at Genesis 27, and the two brothers, they fight each other for their father's blessing. Jacob, the younger, deceives his older brother and his father. He does this by putting on a disguise. He puts on a disguise and pretends to be his older brother, Esau, that he can hear the words of blessing from his father. He pretends to be someone else, so that he can hear the words he longs to hear from his dad. And so this event reminds us of a question that's fundamental to the human story. Is it possible to be blessed? Is it possible to be seen and loved and affirmed without manipulation, without pretending, without playing a part? Well, back in that story, as we might imagine, Esau is furious. He's been tricked by his younger brother. He is so angry, he says he wants to kill Jacob. And so Jacob flees. He runs to his uncle's land. And today we're looking at the passage in Genesis in which after 20 years, Jacob is heading home. God has directed him to come home, but what about his angry, murderous brother? And this time, the, the question that comes up in Jacob, the question that comes up for us, is what about my past? Does my past control my future? Does another's anger towards me determine who I am? These are the questions that Jacob's experience bring us today. And so as we look at our passage... It's a chance to see not everything that happens, but we'll, we'll see, we'll focus on all the preparation Jacob does, all the things he prepares in order to try to have that reunion go well, to have his past not be a shadow over him. So let's look at our passage. This is Genesis 32. You can follow in your Bible or your order of worship. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir the country of Edom, instructing them, Thus ye shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban, his uncle, and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, and female servants. I have sent to tell my lord, in order that I might find favor in your sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he's coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two camps, thinking, if Esau comes to one camp and attacks it, then the other camp that is left will escape. And Jacob said, O God, my father Abraham, and God, of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do you good. I'm not worthy of the least of all the deeds of the steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown your servant. For only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he may come and attack me, the mothers, with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So Jacob stayed there that night, and from what he had with him, he took a present for his brother Esau, 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their calves, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. These he handed over to his servants and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? This is the word of the Lord given for our good. Well, um, as we look at this long account, I want us to look at two parts of Jacob's experience and how they might speak to our experience as well. First, his calculations and then second, his wrestling. His calculation and then his wrestling. So starting off with his calculations, I am a, a big soccer fan and I also love a good documentary. You can ask my family, I often suggest it to no avail. But I, I was very excited when I saw that Netflix put out a docu-series, a term that I wasn't really that familiar with, a docu-series about David Beckham, a famous English soccer player. Maybe some of you know that name. So I've been watching some of that. And in the second episode, he talks about this event in his career in which he made a significant mistake. During an important game, he gets a red card. He gets ejected from the game because after getting pushed to the ground by a player from Argentina, he kicks at that player. He kicks at him out of anger, and he's sent off the field. England went on to lose the game, and many of the English fans blamed David Beckham. They were filled with anger, and and his experience was very sad. A lot of verbal abuse that he received. And in the sadness, that now 48 years old, David Beckham, he speaks of that moment and says, I wish there was a pill that you could take to erase certain memories. I wish there was a pill that you could take that would erase certain memories. Maybe you can relate to that desire. And I mentioned that for Jacob to go home to go back to where he was from meant a return to his past. For 20 years, 20 years he's lived with the memory of how he cheated his brother. For 20 years he's wondered, does Esau still hate me? Is home even possible? But now he's convinced that God directs him to go back, and so Jacob makes a plan. And one of the things that we'll notice is this length of what I just read, all the detail that's there, is to point out all the planning, all the kind of calculating that Jacob is doing. And he sends a messenger to his brother. Say to Esau that your servant Jacob, who's been with Uncle Laban, he's, he's coming. And I have oxen and donkeys and flocks and servants. I've sent a message that you might, you know, I have favor in your sight. Jacob's language is humble, but what, he, what he's really trying to say to Esau is that he's wealthy. Listen, brother, I'm not returning to take your stuff. I'm not returning to get the inheritance. I'm doing okay. So he sends this message hoping to kind of ease the path, but he gets one back. His messenger said, we spoke to your brother, and he's coming to meet you. And there's 400 men with him. What? Right, you can imagine Jacob's response 400 men. And our text tells us that he is greatly, exceedingly fearful, that he is distressed. What could this mean? When thinking about this passage, there's a, a, a quote, an article that came to mind that says fear comes naturally to human beings. Fear comes naturally to human beings. I can relate to that, can, can you? We can go about our daily lives, go about our business, go about all sorts of responsibilities, but we are filled with all kinds of worries, all kinds of fears, things that are small and things that are great. Fears that we might not be on the right path, fears that we don't know what the right thing to do, is fears about relationships, fears about uh, our well-being or those that we love. Fears about money or about success. Jacob is greatly afraid. His reaction to this fear is to plan, to try to be clever, to seek a sense of control by all his calculations. Like I said, this detail of our passage is almost strange to extent to kind of grasp help us grasp the, the scrambling of Jacob's mind. Like, what can I do? to make this work out the way I want it to. We see this in the past. In the past, he made his way with his family by playing a part. He wore a disguise, he manipulated others. He did what he needed to do in that moment. And now he calculates. He comes up with strategies that would protect him or help him defer to his brother. Maybe you know it's in protection. He separates all of his people and the possessions into two groups. If Esau attacks, then maybe at least one can escape. Half is better than nothing. Next, Jacob pleads with God. The Lord is the God of my grandfather Jacob, my father Isaac. And the language here is, God, God, you are the one sending me back to my country, my my family. I'm, I'm trying to follow you by doing this. I'm doing what you ask, so please deliver me from my brother. Finally, he sends gifts to Jacob, one after another, timed perfectly in groups so that Esau is overwhelmed. There are 550 animals in this group. <laughs> I wonder, is, is, that, is that a gift or a burden? I don't, I don't know what exactly is supposed to happen in that moment, but it's overwhelming, right? The 550 animals are sent to his brother all with this message that may I find favor in your eyes. Jacob can't make his past disappear. He, he can't make his brother be a certain way. And so he seeks favor through gifts and through deferring. But still, as we come to the end of the passage, that even with all his calculating and planning, he's worried. Will it be enough? Will things go the way that I hope? And by the time he goes to bed with his family hidden on the other side of the stream, Jacob's anxiety has only increased. So Jacob's experience of the questions of his past and whether they control his future, the questions of his brother's anger and whether that determines who he is, We're invited to see and to even maybe relate to the calculating and the planning that he hopes will make things be okay. But not only is there calculation in Jacob's experience, there is also wrestling. There's also wrestling. See, our second part I want us to look at is that Jacob is trying to sleep. He's by himself at this point, he sent everybody else Away, hiding, he tries to sleep, but he wonders what tomorrow will bring. Will Esau accept my gifts? Will he still be angry? What will that mean for me? He sent his family away, but he stays by himself. And in the quiet, he anticipates one meeting. He's worried about meeting his brother, but he ends up with a different meeting. In his fears, he meets a stranger in the night. The identity of the man is obscure and it's mysterious. Only later in the passage does it become clear that this hidden one is the Lord himself. And what we see, and again, we're invited to reflect on our own experience that on his way to his past, on the way to his estranged brother, Jacob has to relate to his God. On his way to his brother and his past, Jacob must deal with his God. There is a poem um, by a poet, No Naka is her name, and she writes, I long to become a jellyfish. So transparent, no one could tell my body from the water I swim in. I longed to become a jellyfish so transparent, no one could tell my body from the water I swim in. Maybe you've never longed to be a jellyfish. But she writes of this poem that we all want both to emerge and to hide, to disappear and to be known. I think we have to see that Jacob, in all his planning and all his calculation, he wants desperately to be seen, but only in a certain way. He doesn't want his past or certain past that he's ashamed of to stand out. And this brings him not only to make calculations, but it brings him to wrestle with his God. You see, he's made plans, but in this moment, in the night, he has to encounter, he has to wrestle alone. He must encounter God apart from his possessions, apart from all of his success, apart from all his calculations and plans. That's what it means that he's wrestling. And strangely, our fears, this place of fear for Jacob becomes the very place that he encounters his God. And that might be the same case for you. Our our fears, our our longings, our worries about how another person is seeing us or the anger that they have for us or what our future might hold. Often it's such places that God seeks to encounter, to wrestle with us. Jacob cannot see God. He doesn't know his name in this wrestling. And it underscores That God cannot be controlled, that Jacob, even all his plans, cannot make the situation be exactly like he wants it to be. The fears and uncertainty become the very place to encounter his God. Lord, what are you doing? Will things be okay? Will I feel the shame of these things forever? In his earlier prayer, Jacob offered beautiful words, but in the night, in the night, he wrestles. And he embodies with his very longings the prayer's desire where he says, deliver me. I'm so afraid, Lord, deliver me. In some ways, we could say that, that prayer, deliver me, is the heartbeat, is the most common prayer of the scriptures, of the Psalms. May my life be kept from the anger of those who despise me. May it be that I'm not bound, not captive to my past, to my mistakes, to the judgments of others. Deliver me, O Lord, my God. May my path be directed by you. May my life be in your hands, not anyone else's. Deliver me. Does the past control my future? Does another's anger determine who I am? I Hope that we can see that for Jacob and for us to ask about these things, to ask such questions is really to ask, who am I? To ask about the past is to ask about one's identity. And then the wrestling match that happens between Jacob and his God, it lasts three rounds and in the last one, Jacob seeks a blessing. And I wonder what his blessing, what he was hoping. I, I, I often think maybe he was hoping for safety, for some kind of promise that things are going to be okay with Esau, protection for him and his family. But what does Jacob receive? He asks for a blessing, and he receives a new name. No longer will you be called Jacob. No longer will you be called the name that means trickster or calculator or planner, manipulator. No longer will you be one who simply trusts in your ability to manage others and the circumstances, but now you will be called Israel. You will be called Israel, the one protected by God. I want us to dwell for a moment on that. Coming face to face with his God, what he receives is a new name, a name that invites him not to the path of calculating, but to the path of trust. You are known and loved and Christ's name is upon you. This is the blessing of the gospel. Chad, who are you? Are you what you've done, what others think of you? In Christ, you no longer are the one who trusts in your ability to handle all things, but you are the one that is beloved, seen, and known by God. You are forgiven and received. This is the blessing. The blessing brings a new name, and it brought a limp as well. Jacob bears a mark, a change for him that for all will see for the rest of his life, inviting us to reflect that he's not the same. The fear of Esau, the questions of the past, the wondering who he is and what it, what it means, the wrestling with God over these questions, this new name, it brings him to walk not in his power or not in his calculations and plans, but in the strength of his God. And as we close, I just want us to link back to the psalm that we sang in the beginning. For in many ways, Psalm 34 echoes this experience of wrestling and seeing God face to face. For in Psalm 34, it says, All who look to him, all who look to God, are radiant, and their faces will not be ashamed. This is the promise that is again spoken to Jacob. And it's the promise for you and for me in Christ that we are to hold on to, that we're to wrestle with, not just to speak, but to wrestle with the very questions and aches of our heart. None who take refuge in him will be condemned, for all who look to him will be radiant. Jacob and Esau do meet and they do reconcile. And Jacob says to Esau, his brother, in his face, he sees the face of God. It might have been that he was just saying nice words to Esau. <laughs> but I suggest that it was that encounter and the fear and the wondering of what would happen that allowed in Esau, his danger, to become the very place that Jacob encountered his God. I pray to you that our past is not something that we ignore, but one that becomes the very place in which we hear God's promises and blessings for us today. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We thank you for this account and that we hear your word. And we pray, Lord, that it may speak to us, that we may find rest and hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Will
2: you please stand with us we'll sing together.
3: Almighty God, you have not given us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. We praise you for your never-ending faithfulness as we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. This table is a a blessing, the blessing of God. It confirms the promise of the gospel that God sees you, sees you in all your fullness. And in his love, Christ's body was broken and his blood shed, that we may be received and have a place in the family of God. This is the blessing and good news of this table. And so I invite you this day, if that's who you are, if you know of your sin and have placed your hope not in your doing everything right in the past or the future, but in your, what Christ has done, his broken body and shed blood, if that is who you are, then come and eat. Be part of this family meal of God's fam- family. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, let this table be a witness and an invitation to consider again who God is and the blessing that he has to offer. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this table. And I pray, Lord, that you set apart this cup and this bread and that by your spirit that you would use them to minister to us this day. Lord, you know us that we come with our fears, come thinking of all that which distresses us. We come with our sorrows and our lament, come with our anger and uncertainties. And Lord, we give you thanks that in your grace and in the significance of Christ's body and blood that you receive us and speak of forgiveness and of love and of new ways of living. We pray that we would find this in you by your spirit through the bread and cup this day, amen. On the night that he was betrayed after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I invite you to come down the center aisle and receive the bread and the cup, and you can go back on the sides. If you're able, I ask that you would hold the elements until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not participating in communion today, we're, we're glad that you're here. We still invite you to come down. Just put your arm across your chest and Pastor Brian, or I can offer a prayer blessing for you here at the table those who are serving can come forward at this time. And then let us come and receive these gifts that God has for his people. Christ's body was broken to make us whole, let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins, let us drink in faith. In response to this table, I invite you to stand that we can pray and sing as God's people. Jesus, our Lord, help us to cast aside our own pursuits of exaltation. Grant by your spirit that we live as servants of our neighbors, bearing a genuine humility that trusts in your grace as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Take a moment now to have a time of, of prayer. Uh, you'll see in your order, on a regular basis, we have a, a one of the leaders in the church uh, lead us in a time of prayer where we can pray for one another, uh, pray for our our, our city and, and the world around us. So, Gina is going to lead us, and she'll lead a time of prayer. Then there'll be a time of quiet. You can offer your own personal prayers. Uh, thank you, Gina.
4: Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning as your children, believing that those who take refuge in you will not be ashamed. It's it's amazing that you know each one of us and you love us deeply. Whether we feel presentable or messy, whether we had a great week, where we're struggling, you love to hear from us. Lord, please help us to trust you with our concerns, our hopes and dreams. We need your grace. Lord, we, um, we love this community and we ask you God, just to hear these requests. Please care for Terry Zimmerman as she is struggling with her eyesight, a painful knee, and recovering from a fall. Please strengthen and encourage Terry, Lord, as you provide the help she needs from doctors, family, and friends. I lift up Max Engelman, Roger's dad, and ask you to restore his health and strength as he transitions from the hospital to rehab. Please surround him with doctors and therapists who can encourage him and help him as he recovers. God, we join with Joseph Edelman in a prayer of gratitude for his job and increased hours. Thank you for the ways you provide. We also join Joe in praying for the Tessie family in Maui as they grieve the loss of many dear people and work to recover from the wildfires there. Please help the Tessies and their neighbors, Lord. Give them strength and fill them with your love. Lord, we lift Dan Moore's dad up to you as he transitions to hospice care. Please surround him with kind and knowledgeable doctors and caregivers who can help him in this season. We ask for an outpouring of your love and grace on the Moore family, especially Dan's mom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we lift Lincoln Square and the whole city of Chicago and ask for your love and grace to abound in this place. Please help our leaders at every level of government to see their opportunity to serve and do good things. Give them the wisdom and strength to make good decisions, even when it's costly. We ask for your blessing and protection for our most vulnerable neighbors who face food insecurity and homelessness. Help us as the church to reach out in love and share our resources with people in need. God, please strengthen and expand organizations like the Friendship Center, World Relief, and Sunshine Gospel Mission. So the seeds of hope and love they plant take root and grow tall to support and care for the people of this city. Lord, in your mercy. God, praying for the world feels overwhelming. Please guide us and open our hearts. As we hold awe and gratitude for its immeasurable beauty and as we pour out our hearts with great sadness for the pain that is also present Again, I ask for wise and courageous leaders at every level of government, Lord. Please fill your church with truth and grace. May we be sensitive to your spirit and willing to go where you lead. Please comfort and provide for those who are sick, hungry, lonely, or hopeless. We are heartbroken as we think of those enduring violence and war in Ukraine in Israel and Palestine. Please protect and heal your children in these hard places. Lord, in your mercy. God, thank you for hearing us when we pray. We entrust all these concerns and all those shared silently to you. Help us to see you at work in the coming days, in the small moments as well as the big ones. We love you. Amen.
3: Thank you, Gina. We're going to continue worship through a time of, of giving of our offering. You'll see a note in your order there. Uh, this is a chance for us to respond to God's generosity and uh, invite the greeters to come forward, and there will be a, a gray basket you can put your communion uh, cup in, and then also then a silver offering plate in which you can give a gift. If you'd like to do that, uh, you'll see a note in your order also that if you'd like to give, you can do that online uh, through the church's website or by text. Uh, but also just uh, welcome again, that glad that we can gather and worship together today. Um, there's a couple, one, a couple notes uh, there on the center aisle, the chair in the center aisle. There's a, a, a black pad there. If you're sitting in that uh, center aisle seat, I invite you to pick that up and fill it out and pass it down that you can um, record your worshiping with us and, and see who else is, is joining you. If you're visiting, well, welcome. I'm glad that you can be here today. Uh, then after the service, uh, there is a time of, of coffee and bagels. Uh, they're right behind you. It'll be outside by the playground. <clears throat> Hope you can stay after. It'll be a chance to connect and get to know one another better. Uh, but it's right after the service. Um, the last thing I'll just remind you of is that, as Will mentioned, uh, you can pick up the, a box in the back if you'd like to participate in our fall day of service to provide a meal for our family at Waters. So you can uh, grab one at the back table and sign it out with the number of the tag that you get. Uh, if you have questions, Will will be back there to answer any questions you have. Let's continue worshiping the giving of our gifts to God.
0: stand and join us for the doxology
5: Praise, Praise God, God
0: from
3: May the love of god the father the grace of our savior jesus christ and the fellowship of the spirit be with you now and always amen and go in peace